And I just love coming in this room and worshiping with you guys. I just love just, you know, being with like-minded people and just saying, you know, no matter what happens, here we are in the presence of God again, you know, and just, just, just coming before him is just so refreshing. You know, last, last week I, I showed a video of, um, of some of our, our high school students and, uh, and afterwards we got a lot of comments back of people were pretty freaked out by it discouraged and uh and maybe that was you some of you may have seen that and thought wow i didn't know that's what went on in high school campus you know and and sometimes we can be clueless to that but that wasn't the intention of the video i mean it, it's it's just one of those things where we go you know what this is where the world is i mean it's not like when we were in high school that everyone was a goody goody you know it, it's just you know yeah it's gotten worse but you know what that's the way the world is and that's the world we live in. And let's face reality. At the same time, it's nothing to fear. And like I said, I've seen students across the nation standing up for Jesus Christ like never before. And that ought to be encouragement to us. In fact, this morning, I've asked a couple of high school students uh, from our youth ministry to come up and just share a little bit of testimony uh, as encouragement to you. And so, uh, Jen and Cody, you're going to come up. One goes to Royal High, one goes to See Me High, so you guys can fight that out. But um. Hi. Um, yeah, it's on. Hi. Um, I'm Jen. I'm a senior at Royal. Um, and I know it's like a lot of you guys that watch the video. Um, when I was a freshman, I wasn't as extreme as those kids, which I know some of you guys wanted to hear that, that I was a crazy druggie and now I'm like a good Christian, which I wasn't. But um, I did hang out with a lot of kids like that. And when I first went to Royal, I completely mentally denied Christ, and um, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And um, by God's grace, I totally um, am now a Christian, and um, I started, like, walking with God. And um, now, like, practically, like, I am living out, like like Francis said, um, living out, like, Christianity. And um, right now, I'm on a water polo team, and even though I don't like water polo and I don't want to be there, I'm... <laughs> um, Honestly, I don't. I have to wake up at 5.45 some days and uh, swim laps I don't want to do. I'm there because uh, for relationships and to build relationships for Christ um, and to tell them about Christ, which is awesome. And I have those opportunities. And um, I don't want to go to school some days, um, like, you know, to learn and for those aspects. But I go there, like, from, from 8 to 3, like, to for relationships. And every day, like, it's awesome, like... I've learned over the past four years that it's not about, like, me, and it's not about what I want, but it's about what God wants. And that's something that, like, like you clap, but it's seriously not me. It's to totally God. And I've gotten to the place where um, I've noticed that it's, I don't know, like, I can be an encouragement to other people, and it's totally what God is doing through me. And, like, I love that, and it, it totally excites me. Okay, first off, I don't know what she's talking about, because personally, I love school. <laughs> it's the joy of my day to wake up at 5.30 every day to go to school. But, um, but seriously, like, um, pretty much my testimony is uh, I never actually got into drugs, but I was very close to getting in that crowd. Like, I hung out with that crowd when I was in ninth grade. Like, I've grown up knowing who God was and knowing who Jesus was but I hated him, really. Like, I really just hated God. I don't even know why. I think it's just kind of like I looked for somebody to hate, and God was there. So 
throughout all ninth grade, I really was just all against God and didn't want anything to do with him. And I really, like, just went down a really dark path. And it wasn't until 10th grade where um, it was just these regular kids, just these regular, you know, church-going kids, you know, that uh, invited me, you know, start hanging out with them. And I started hanging out with them. And they weren't, like, preaching to me or anything. It was They weren't, like, evangelizing at me. They were just, you know, just being good friends. And, like, they had something. Like, they had, like, this spark in them, like, this overwhelming joy which I didn't know because every day of my life was just depression and sadness and, like, hate. And I really wanted it. And so as I spent more time with them, I eventually, a year ago, at uh, Baffled, which is the uh, houseboat trip, I uh, finally decided to take the step to have that. And I uh, accepted Christ and got baptized. But, um, but the, the coolest thing, though, is it was just, like, Normal kids, like any of your guys' kids, like they're not like super special Christians that are like going out like evangelizing everybody. They were just being themselves and just loving Christ. And like it was just regular kids that changed my life. And it wasn't for them. I don't think I'd be where I am today. And I really, I owe it all to them. So. Um. So, yeah, um, one thing that I thought about is, um, like, talking about how just, like, practically living out Christianity, because that's one thing that I would think that I'd want to hear, like, as a parent. And um, one thing that I thought of doing this year, um, like, just as a senior, because last year um, I led up um, Christian Club at my school, and it just wasn't going so well because it was just, like, a club of Christians, and it was, like, just bad and clicky. So this year um, what I decided to do was just, it's like, an outside Christian club, and we meet once a week, and so far we've met, like, three times, and it's gotten so good because it's not structured, but we just meet and we just talk about, like, things going on in our campus. Like, even the video you saw, like, we just talk about um, things that are being exposed and um, how we can just love on people, and we talk about the different, different cliques of friends that we're in and conversations in our classrooms and um, even though we don't necessarily hang out all together, we don't just like, Hey, and like wave to each other. We actually like hang out at lunch sometimes. And it's cool because people see that and they see Christ and it's, it's really actually playing out like so unexpectedly in ways that I didn't ever think that would happen because Christ works that way. So it's really neat. All right. Um, I just wanted to say, like, like I, I wasn't here last week when they actually saw, showed the video, but then I saw it later, and like when I heard like some of the reactions to it, like I kind of got a little bit angry. I know it's bad, but I did because, like, you know, I, I'm one of the kids that's in that missions field. My school is my missions field, you know, and I'm out there every day, you know, fighting, you know, trying to uh, live Christ. And like the thing is, you know. I'm God's child before I'm my parents' child. And in all reality, my parents really don't have the authority, the God-given authority, to take me away from my missions field. I mean, unless it's God's will. And it's just like, I, I, I thought of the analogy like, if, if there's a firefighter saying, save, saving a kid from a burning building, you don't go and take the firefighter away from the burning building. You know, you let him do its job, you know? And my job right now is to minister to these kids at my school. And, uh, but the thing is, I, I can't really do it alone. You know, I need God, but not only that, but my parents are like huge supports. My mom, uh, every Tuesday, she goes to my school and walks around it and just prays for me and the kids in my school. And like, that hugely affects me. Like, that really does make a difference in my day. And like, I just think like, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have that. And I mean, in all reality, I mean, 
if God is with me, who can be against me, you know? So I got God on my side. I got my parents on my side. I got my friends on my side. You know, the only, I mean, pretty much, I don't really see a reason why I need to be taken out. I mean, I'm or from school. I mean, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job there, you know? So. Thanks, man. I'm good. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. You guys, I, I just, uh, I was just in the back talking to these guys. I just get fired up. I go, you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, the world's, you know, a mess. But those of us who have the Holy Spirit of God in us, we got nothing to fear. You know, and we got students and there were people like, oh, man, public school, I'll never let my kids go there. It's like, no, you know what? We, we need some of our kids in there. You know, like Cody was saying, the whole reason why he's here today is because some of your kids were out there. And it's not about, okay, let's get them out of all these scary environments. But no, let's prepare them for that. That's what we as parents are called to do. Let's pray for them in those environments and let's let them be a light in their community. And let's not underestimate what God can do through our students. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm just so encouraged by that. And, and even as we, it, it's, it's interesting because in church, a lot of times our natural tendency is fear, which is exactly what we're not supposed to be about. Um, you know, like when I show something like that or talk about where the world's going, or even when we talk, whenever the subject of end times comes up, I hear people getting freaked out about it. Like whenever you bring up the topic of end times or we're going to talk about revelation, something like, oh, oh man, that stuff freaks me out. That stuff freak-. You guys, it's supposed to have the exact opposite effect on us. Really, I, I was reading this, this, this uh, verse, um, Luke, Luke 21. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 21. I, I, I spoke on this back when we were teaching through Luke, but I, this, this passage always stands out to me because I just love what it says. Luke 21 when Jesus is talking about the end. In Luke 21, verse 25. Luke 21, verse 25, he says this. He says, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear. And with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I love that. He says, you know what? Everything's going to start falling apart, okay? The seas, the waves, there'll be all these hurricanes. Everything's going on. People will freak out and the Son of Man's going to come and people will be terrified. But you, you stand up straight and you lift up your head because your redemption's drawing near. I love that. I love that. And so absolutely, as the world gets worse and worse and worse, is there plenty of fear? Yes, but not for us. Not for us. It's during those times as the world gets worse, there ought to be this side where we can stand up straight, lift up our heads and go, ah, any moment now, any moment. You guys, end times, the, the, the whole idea of talking about this is not to invoke any type of fear. It's, it's a peace. Yes, I, Honestly, on, on Wednesday, Wednesday I was a little stressed out. 
um, just a lot of things going on. And then I got sick and I'm thinking, I don't have time to be sick. You ever get that? It's like, ah, oh, this is the worst time. You know, there's just too many things I got to get done. And uh, I start getting that. I open up the word and uh, just felt like I was led to read the book of Revelation. You know, I start reading Revelation and I was like, oh, <laughs> see, it, it's like I just felt so much peace. By reading the book of Revelation, it's like, oh, this is all going to burn anyways. You know, it's just, there was just, honestly, there was this comfort that comes over me of just, you know what, God's in control. I know how it's going to end. And so as we talk about the end times, I, my prayer is that you just get more and more encouraged and more and more peaceful, not stressed out. Because we know our God's in control. We know the story is ending this way. And so I, I don't fear the world getting more evil. And you shouldn't either. I don't, fear, I don't fear death. I don't fear the return of Christ. I don't fear the end of the world. All these things. It's, it's fine. I don't fear. In, in fact, this needs to be our theme verse as we uh, continue in, in, the, in the book of 2 Timothy. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I'll put it on the screen again. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I love that. We, we need to all memorize this. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Okay, so whenever you're fearing or worrying, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the other source. That's coming from Satan himself, trying to get you freaked out about everything. Oh, no, the world's getting bad. Oh, no, this is that. We better, you know, let's, let's move. Let's get to a safer place. Let's do... No, you know what? You're not going to find a safe place. Not on this planet. You know, we're, we're in this, one of supposedly one of the safest cities in, in the world. It's, 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 you feel safe? <laughs> you know? It's, it's just not going to be there. But he says, you know, God didn't put that fear in you. That didn't come from God. He gave you a spirit of power. And I hope this morning, as you walk in this room, you feel that sense of power. You know, I listened to, to Jen and Cody as high school seniors and their public campus. I, I get a sense of power. I get a sense of love for their friends and concern for their friends. I get a sense of self-control of, yeah, that's what everyone else is doing, but it doesn't mean I have to do it. It's this strength, it's this power, it's this confidence, and that's the way God wants us to live. You guys, if we really trusted God's promises and trusted, you know, the word of God like that, our lives would be so much better. I mean, seriously, guys, like that old hymn says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. It's so sweet. It really is. When you just absolutely trust and you go, you know what, I'm powerful. I got the Holy Spirit of God in me. He put that in me. And so I don't fear the temptation. I go, you know what? I have more self-control than whatever temptation Satan's going to throw my way. I don't fear people getting angry at me. I just go, you know what, Lord? You'll give me enough love to love these people in return. I don't fear things. It's about power. And if you haven't found that power, I, I, I pray that you do. Because otherwise, you're going to stress yourself out on this, on this earth. You're going to get depressed. You're just going to, be, you're just going to live a miserable life. Uh, nothing like what Jesus intended for us. I can't really explain 
this power I'm talking about and this peace that I'm talking about. You know, I, I, I know some of you, you come week after week and you're like, man, I want it, I want it, I want it, and I want to explain it to you, and I want to so badly have you just get it. Like there's literally nothing, nothing, nothing to fear while we're on this earth, but I can't, I can't put that into someone. And yet I know when I see it. I know when I see it in someone. I know when I see that power. I saw it yesterday. I saw it yesterday when I went over to Walt Fuller's house. Walt Fuller was a guy that uh, you'd see him right up here, front row, or you know, just just he's just in the. This, this, he's been coming to the church for a good ten years at least. He's back in the in multi-purpose room, everything else. And uh, Walt was on the train, and he was in the front car, and uh, and he and he passed away. It was an immediate thing. But I tell you, I'm at the house and I'm speaking to his wife, speaking to to one of his kids. And as tears are coming down their face, there's this peace. I mean, if you you met Walt, you see his face. I mean, he's just this joyful, you know, every time I saw him at church, just this, this, there's just light coming from, you know. And then you, you just think, okay, I can't imagine how happy he is now. I can't imagine, you know, as we're worshiping, and I'm thinking it's great down here. I'm thinking, oh, man, he's got it so much better, you know. And I can't tell you, I mean, I see it all the time, and I know when there's serious peace. And that's just what I felt at the house yesterday, you know. When, when uh, I mean, his, his daughter, you know, one of his daughters came up just, you know, crying, you know, over her dad and, um, she's a college student, and she's just so peaceful, though, of just, I, I really am okay. As tears are coming down, she goes, I really am. Like, I know where he is, and I'm, I'm so confident and peaceful in that. And I, I, it's just, either you have it or you don't. Either the Spirit of God has come into you, and you have that peace, and I can't talk you into it, and I, I sometimes try too hard and, and try to manipulate it or whatever else. Last week at this, at, at all the services, I had people come up and read scripture. And I think it was a nine o'clock service um, where there was a gal, uh, Rachel. Rachel um, was a girl from Z- Zambia. Was that this service? Um, was it? Yeah, I think so. She came up and she just read scripture. She's an exchange student. And I don't know. There was something about when she was reading, I just got the chills because there's just a peace and this strength and this confidence in the Lord, even though she's just reading scripture. She was on the train. And um, I guess she, uh, her skull was fractured and it, it cut her brain. And uh, so she had surgery yesterday. And uh, we won't know for couple days from what we understand the surgery went well but you just you don't know with the brain surgery type of thing but i'll tell you something i would bet money that rachel's at peace right now you, you just see it in people i i just see there was no spirit of fear in her there's just a peace there's a confidence and i i don't even know what to say this morning no matter how many things happen, 
it somehow doesn't get through our heads that life changes overnight. Everything changes overnight. And yet it's not something to fear. It's not something to be afraid of. That there's a peace and a confidence and a power that we can have in the Holy Spirit of God. That says, you know what? I already know the way it's going to end. And the world's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Talks about in this passage how people get from evil to more evil. Okay, we're, we're not going to change that. But in the midst of that, there will be individuals who will stand up, lift their heads, and say, I'm not afraid of that. And like I said last week, Jesus says, I'm going to build this church on this earth. And no matter how bad it gets, the gates of hell will never stand against it. There will always be a remnant of my people that are fearless because they have my spirit in them and they will stand no matter how bad it gets. And uh, it's a good thing. And again, this passage is not to create fear in us. It's, it's to warn us, but to remind us that we're okay. We're okay. We're children of God in here. And uh, while the rest of the world can freak out about all the things that are going on, it's not that we like them. It's just that we can have the peace in the midst of it. And that's what I've loved is, is some even around, looking around in this room. We've gone through some hard times together. And I just love the way, even with tears streaming down your face, there was still a peace about you. And, uh, and that's what it's about. It's not like we're these machines, these robot, robots that don't feel anything anymore. You know, it's not like we're, we're immune to pain or that nothing hurts us because we're Christians. No, we bawl our eyes out. We hurt like the rest of the world. The difference is there's a peace about it. There's a power about it. And I just pray that everyone in this room finds it. And I, I can't force that upon you. I just know when I see it and I know when I don't. Second Peter 3, we didn't get real far last week. And I don't know how far we'll get this week because I already... Spent half of our time. Um, 2 Timothy 3, just as a reminder, we'll start in verse 1. We talked about this last week. It goes, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Okay, so, so we looked at a lot of this last week. We said, okay, during the end times, here's what's going to be. People are just going to love themselves. Remember we talked about that last week? Did you guys think about that during the week? Lovers of self. That's a comment I kept hearing back from people. Oh, I was so struggling with that this week. I realized how much I love myself. I'm consumed with myself. I adore myself. You know, and just realizing, well, I totally got caught up in that. And I felt totally justified in loving myself that way. And, and, you know, taking care of my needs and on and on and on. And, and so, so good. Hopefully, you've grown in that area this week. 
You know, that wasn't a bum you out. It was just go, wow, okay, I got caught up. This is a warning to Timothy. He goes, be careful. Here's the way the world's going to go. You got to fight against it. And so here's that. Here's, that's the warning I want to give to you for you to realize, oh, yeah, I was starting to go with the flow. And let me run from that now. Let me be a lover of people. Let me be a lover of God rather than a lover of self. Lovers of money. We talked about that. We talked about the proud, the arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. The ungrateful, um, you know, basically that just, uh, again, all of this stems out of loving ourselves, right? You love yourself, you're not going to love all the people that got you to where you are right now, including God. You almost will have this sense of arrogance, like, well, I got here in spite of everyone else, in spite of the cards I was dealt, in spite of what God did to me. No, rather than being grateful that God has placed you in this place that you're at right now. Um, And then he he uses that word unholy. Now, as Christians, when we hear that word unholy, we're thinking about, okay, typically that that word we, we think, these are people who disobey the commands of God. But actually, in this context, in this word, this word unholy isn't so much about God's commands and every, you know, command we see in Scripture. This word for unholy has to do with an absence of human decency. Like he says, you know, just watch. As the world goes on, there are certain things that God even instinctively put into us as humans. And even those parameters, you'll see people could just care less about them. And uh, then he goes on and he says, uh, they'll be, again, heartless is another word like that. Heartless... um, can, can be translated, and some of your Bibles may even translate it as this, without, nat, without natural affection. This word for heartless is, is, is talking about how, it's not talking about how the Bible says that we are supposed to supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, love our enemies. You know how the Bible commands us to even love our enemies, do good to those who hate you? Okay, that's not what this is talking about when it says these unloving or heartless people. Here he's talking about natural relationships where there ought to be love. Like between a father and a child. You know, like a parent and a child, how there ought to be just this natural love. You know how when your, your child's born and it's just like, ah, oh, you know, it just it squirts out to the grossest thing. But, you know, at the same time, there's this amazing love right then. That very second, it's like, wow, this natural bond and he says, you know, towards the end of the world, people won't even have that. See, it's, it's, it's supernatural when we love our enemies, but there is a sense in which the Bible teaches it ought to be natural for us to love those who love us in return. He says, look, anyone can do that. Even the pagans do that. This idea of heartless is in the end times, he says, people won't even naturally love people who love them in return. I mean, it's such a scary thing. He says, in the end, there won't even be this natural affection. And there'll be some of you who will be so self-absorbed that you can't even love those who are crazy about you. You may have a wife that's crazy about you. And yet you'll be so ungodly that you'll still cheat on her. You'll still abuse her. Is this going to happen in the end times? This is what's going to take over. This is the mindset of people will leave those who love them. 
We're not talking about the enemies. We're not talking about, you know, Holy Spirit, wonderful things that some of you have done, filled with the Spirit. You love even those who hate you. He's just saying this is just natural love. This stuff, man, it should just happen. Even among people who don't believe in God. But he says it's going to get to the point where people won't even love those who are crazy about them because they're so self-absorbed. And these natural relationships where, where parents will just give everything to their kids and pour their lives into them and the kids will still hate their parents. And then there'll be kids that are crazy about their parents and their parents will still ditch them and leave them because they're so into themselves and they found something that might bring them a little bit more fulfillment. They'll ditch their families. And when this family structure starts falling apart and there's an absence of natural affection, man, you know the world's going to pot. You know everything's just coming close to an end. And he says this, this attitude, it's not just going to happen out in the world. Again, remember Paul's telling Timothy, it's going to be in the church. That's why in the end, when he says avoid such people, he's not talking about, nowhere in Scripture does it ever tell us to avoid people in the world. In fact, Jesus says you've got to run to those people. That's what, that's what we're saying about the public schools or whatever. It's not, not like we ditch them all. They're so evil. No, run to those places. Help those people. Love on those people. He's talking about in the church. The commands to avoid those types of people are the people who call themselves believers yet live this way. And that's why he says, avoid those people. But he says, you know, there'll be people who are heartless, people that are unappeasable. That word unappeasable, you, you know those people. It's, it's the word irreconcilable. It's, it's, the, it's the person who won't listen to reasoning. Do you know people like that? It doesn't matter how calmly, how carefully, how politely, how sweetly you say something to them. You just can't reason with them. They're always right. It's amazing. They just, they're always right. Amazing people. It's just unappeasable. It doesn't matter what you do, what you say, you can't reason with them. Because that's the way it's going to be at the end. They're just not listening. They just won't reason. They're unappeasable. Then there's this word slanderous. Slanderous is the word a gossip. Someone who's a gossiper, a malicious gossip. And, 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 And I know that... Sometimes this sin is belittled. This sin is belittled a lot. Where, big deal, me and some friends get together and we, yeah, we spoke negatively about this other person. It's just a little bit of gossip, right? Do you realize the word for gossip or slander here in the Greek? It's the word diabolos. Do you know that? The word for the devil, diabolos, that's the word for slander because that's what Satan is. He's a slander. He's an accuser. That's what the enemy is. And, but we just go, ah, it's just a little gossip. So what? We got together and we we're talking about how ugly she is. You know, it's just, we just did this. We just did that. We're just talking about this person. We're just slandering that person. No big deal. And yet that word is the word diabolos. And the truth is, is I could say that about everything on this list. All of the things on this list are belittled today. So what if I'm a lover of myself? Everyone loves them. So what if I love nice things and I love my money? We all love nice things. So what if I'm proud? Man, it's okay. We need self-esteem. We'll teach it at our schools. So what if I'm a little bit arrogant? You know, also, so I, I say some things. Yeah, you know what? I get mad. I get abusive toward other people. I just, I just slip at the tongue. I don't obey my parents, but who, who really does? Yeah, I feel like I kind of earned my way here. And so I'm not real grateful, unholy, you know, who, who, 
it just on and on and on. It's like all these things are belittled, you know, unappeasable. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just strong-willed. You know, I always was. And, 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 and oh, well, you know, I just, I just got to have my way. <laughs> what the brat gets, you know, what the brat wants, the brat gets. I, that's just the way I am. And we laugh about all these things. And yeah, me and my girlfriends, yeah, we talk about our husbands. And we probably shouldn't, but we do. And we go on and on and on down this list. Every single thing on this list is belittled. Why? Because Paul tells Timothy, this is going to be the prevailing thought. This is going to be popular. Yes, everyone's going to live this way. But you, man of God, you know, and it's like, yeah, the whole campus is going this direction. But you know what? Not my children, not my kids. God says they have my spirit in them and they're going to walk with me. And in the same way, that's the way we got to live. Man, I'm not, I, I didn't bring up a couple students to say, oh, you know what, look, you know what, the kids are okay. I, I lift them up as examples because, okay, they're in their environment, it's difficult. And you know what, we're in an environment too that's very difficult, very difficult to stand for the things of Jesus Christ and live this way when the rest of the world belittles these sins. We've got to be serious about them. This is, this is the word of God. It goes on and says they, they're, they're without self-control, you know. You just take whatever you can get. It's just this whole idea of when there's a temptation, you just go for it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's that whole mindset of just go. Why not? No one's going to know about it. Just, just, just go. Whatever, whatever your urge is, whatever your desire is, just go for it. Brutal. You, you don't care about anyone else. The word brutal is a word for savage beast. Not loving good. I talked about that a little bit again. Not loving good. It's, it's, this has always been that way. You know, ever since grade school, ever since adolescence, you know, we always bagged on the goody-goodies, right? Why? Because we're not lovers of good. We'll mock those who live the holy life. And the majority of the world will mock those who are living the way God wants them to. It goes on, the treacherous, treacherous means ready to betray the disloyal, those who are ready to backstab you. You've been stabbed in the back before? And you thought, man, I could totally, but there's no loyalty, there's not going to be loyalty at the end. People just want what they want, and if you're in the way, they'll stab you in the back. doesn't matter how long you've been partners, doesn't matter how long you've been together, doesn't matter how long your friendship is, when there's this opportunity to gain, and it's going to hurt you a little bit, Sorry. There's just this disloyalty. Reckless means headstrong or heady, swollen with conceit. Swollen with conceit, I love that word because it's, this, it's the word, uh, the, the root of the word is the word smoke. It's like you're in a fog, you're in your own world, you just can't see clearly, you're so into yourself. But then this next phrase is so important. He says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I don't even want to explain this one. I just want you to hear the phrase and evaluate yourself. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What are you?
you, you know what it's like to be in love, right? The, the feelings when you're in love. I, I don't need to define love for you. I, I think you know, I, that's always hard to do anyways, right? But you just know when you're in love with someone and you love someone. It's not just about the pleasure they bring you. You just love that person. Madly in love with them. Is that true of your relationship with God? I talk about this a lot. How I don't want you just to be in love with this idea that there's a being up there or this concept of this almighty, all-powerful Savior. But I so badly want you to be in love with Him. It's the greatest command. Love Him. Love him. That's why I was so good. I, I just the other a couple weeks ago when we just had that time of silence in this room, and I just gave you an opportunity, and we all turned off our cell phones, and uh, we just blocked out all noise, and I said, "You guys just love on God, just love on Him." And I remember just after that time of prayer, there's just tears all around this room because it was just so good to go. Oh yeah. I really love him. I love being alone with him. And I got to get rid of all this noise in my life so I can just be in love with him. Because I don't want to be a lover of pleasure. I don't want to just come in the church because I want this, I want that, and maybe God will give it to me. Because then I'm not really loving God. I'm just loving what he might give me. He may give me more pleasure. He may, you know, fix this, fix that. And it's like, oh, aren't you in love with him today? I hope so. And then he says this. And it's such a, I keep saying that, such a key phrase, but this is it. Verse 5, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. See, the, we're not talking about people that are anti-God. Again, we're not people that are going, man, it's, it's you know, this person's the Antichrist or this person's so evil. He goes, no, these people have the appearance of godliness. Honestly, right now, look around the room. Doesn't everyone in this room pretty much have the appearance of godliness? We're all cleaned up a little bit. We're sitting in a church building. We just sang some songs. You're listening to a sermon. Okay? So, I mean, I look at you guys and go, man, that is, look at this room, the appearance of godliness. We all look good. We just do. We just appear godly. It's, it's easy to do that in the church. The question is, is who believes in the power? It's not who looks like a Christian in this room or who looks like a follower of God or who has his appearance or semblance of godliness. It's who in this room really believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Where, where you can just stand here and say, you know what? Every sin you throw at me, every temptation, I really have the strength to put that to death. I don't come in here defeated and going, oh, you know, maybe this will help. And then after this, I'm going to go here for some more help. And then I'm going to do, read these other self-help books and on and on and on. And all these things together might help me and a little bit of Jesus too. No, it's people who stand here and say, you know what? He, he's enough for me. I, I've seen what the Holy Spirit's done in my life. I used to be like this. And then I saw the power of God transform my life. And I know I can tackle anything. The world's going to get more evil. But I'm really not afraid because of this power of God. There are so many churchgoers. Churchgoers are notorious for this. Not really believing in the power of God. 
They just, they really, they, they think they're stuck. I'm stuck here. You know, this is my sin. This is my vice. This is going to be my struggle. This is going to be the thing I'll just keep falling to for the rest of my life. I'll never really have an impact on other people because of this, because of that. And, and that's exactly what this verse is talking about. Those who will come to church, call themselves Christians, get dressed up. Well, we don't really get dressed up here, but, you know, in the South. You know, but uh, it's, it's this whole... We'll look very godly. I mean, a lot of churches, everyone will come and they're all dressed up and they'll look fine. But what's really going on in their hearts? And do they come in with that type of confidence and that type of power? I love that verse. They got the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power. You guys, so much of what we believe is about a powerful, almighty God who sits on this throne. Everything's under his control. He's going to come back and he's going to take us to be where he is. He's going to destroy this world. There's nothing to fear. All through scripture. I mean, this morning I was reading uh, the Bible <laughs> in, uh, in uh, first, first Kings chapter 18. First Kings 18. I was reading about Elijah again. I just love that story, you know, and it just, it just motivates me. It's Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember that one where there's 450 prophets of Baal? I mean, here's one guy and here's 450 prophets of Baal and they're all fighting against this one guy, Elijah. And he's just mocking them the whole time. The whole time he's just laughing at them as they're screaming out for their God to light the altar on fire. Remember Elijah's words. Elijah's words, oh, where's your God? Maybe he's relieving himself. It's just he's mocking. He goes, oh, I, I think your God's in the bathroom. Maybe that's why your altar's not being lit. He's just, you're one per, you're on a mountain by yourself and here are 450 enemies and you're mocking them? And then he gets on his knees and said, okay, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, light that thing on fire. I love that. It's that confidence. Yeah, I'm just one guy. But I've got my God with me. And he didn't just have the appearance of godliness. He had the power. He believed in this God. And again, I don't know what I can do to tell you and convince you, man, this God's for real and there's this power about him. But the Bible says for those who don't believe it and yet have that appearance of godliness, he goes, get away from those people. He goes, avoid such men. Get away from those people who don't really believe in the power of God. They don't believe that God can actually do something in their lives. That say, oh, we believe this and the Holy Spirit's in us, but you won't really feel him and he'll really not do a whole lot, but just believe it. He goes, avoid those types of people. This is about power. Our God is about power. And finally, let me just read through those last few verses. Uh, Verse 6, among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. I love this verse, verse 7, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Jannes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. They will never get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was, those, as was of those two men. He just says, you know what, there will always be people like this, taking advantage of you, trying to take advantage of other people. But that phrase, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. This is what grieves me, is there will be some of you that will attend this church week after week after week. And yet there's just some block there. 
It's like you know it, you're learning and you're learning, and each week you're like, oh, I get it more, I get it more, I get it more, but you just, you know there's some sort of block that keeps you from just going, I want it, I want him, I want to dive in completely, I trust him now, I, I, I believe that he died on that cross for me, that Jesus literally died on that cross, that God the Father had his son pay for all of my crimes, so I can trust him. So I'm ready, I'll jump in this water, I'm ready, I'm done with my old life, I can let go of the money, I don't even care about that anymore, I can even let go of myself, I don't even love myself anymore, and all these things that used to be so tempting, I'm done, and, and just to jump in and go, it's it, I want Jesus in my life, a hundred percent. I want this power. I want this spirit of power, love, self-control. Give him to me. I want him. I want him. I want him. And there are those of us who have done that. And then there's others that you'll come week after week after week. And you'll always be gaining more knowledge. And yet you'll never come to that actual knowledge of truth where you get it. And it's great that you're here. You know, I'm glad you keep learning and learning and learning, but at some point, you jump in. And I don't know what that block is for you. And if it's just this doubt that the Holy Spirit can really come into you and be more fulfilling to you than whatever vice you're holding on to. And you'll learn more about him. It's, it's like dating someone forever and never making the commitment. I just, that's what I see in that passage. It's just, you're going to date God for the rest of your life and never commit and just say, okay, for better, for worse, this is it. And, and maybe that's been you and maybe you're seeing this and you're looking at the end times and saying, wow, okay, so there's this wide road that's headed to destruction and there's this narrow road that's not as attractive to the world. But the truth is, is if I'm in the room with all of those people and I'm popular amongst them, I'm in a lot of trouble. I want to be with the few individuals that will stand on their campus, in their city, at their workplace. I want to be one of those. I want that spirit in me and I'm ready to ditch the whole world and follow them. I want that Holy Spirit. I want that power. And if that's you today, then during this worship time, come forward. Give your life to Jesus. Even though you weren't planning on it, get in the waters of baptism. Go home soaking wet because you just don't even care anymore. You just don't care anymore. You don't love yourself that much. You're a lover of God now. God loved you so much that despite everything you did, he sent his son to die on that cross for you. And then his son died, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And God says, you know, that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that can be yours to get rid of any issue you've got. See, I believe in that power. I don't believe there's any temptation on this earth that I can't overcome. I don't believe there's any adversity on this earth that I can't overcome. That doesn't mean there won't be pain. doesn't mean life won't be hard. It's just that I'm not scared. And the world can get as evil as they want to get. But we want to be like those people in Scripture. You can be thrown into a den of lions. You can be on a mountaintop with 450 enemies. You can be thrown into a fiery furnace. The flood waters could be rising. And you just stand. Because you know who your God is. And you know the spirit that's in you. Let's worship that God. And if you need some prayer, there will be some people up here by the prayer room.